This episode of the Out of Bounds Podcast is brought to you by Fisher Skis. Welcome to the Out of Bounds Podcast. My name is Adam Jabber, and we have a great episode for you today with two wonderful guests uh, from two great boot companies, uh, Fisher Skis and K2 Skis, which obviously K2 Ski Boots, Fisher Ski Boots. Um, Christoph Lentz is on from Fisher. He was on in the fall, medium audio quality. Not enough people listen to it. This one is killer. Uh, we talk about the award-winning Fisher 1 their new kids boot that I've been hyping up super hard on social because it's the best kids boot that exists for your little one. Uh, and then we talk about a whole bunch of other stuff, including updates to the Ranger, this, that, and the other thing, uh, his opinions on some of the current products getting put out in the market. Uh, he's, he's great. He's super open. This dude is, uh, I can't say enough good things about. We also have Tom Petrovsky on. I hope I'm saying his last name, right? Uh, he is K2's boot guy. Uh, he has taken over fully for uh, that full tilt category. So it's now K2 Flex. We talk about that, what that transition was like, uh, what the new product offering looks like. Uh, and we also talk about what K2 has going forward. They have a new pro series of boots, which features pin inserts um, and higher flex ratings um, across the board. They have a mind vendor pro. There's, there's a lot going on here. So, uh, and we also talk about the new dispatch, uh, which is the new touring tour, dedicated touring boot from K2. Uh, so I hope you guys enjoy that as well. Um, there's, uh, like I said, there's a lot going on. There's a lot happening in ski boots and this is the right time. If uh, you're listening today, go check out our story. There's a bunch of new product that we posted there. Uh, probably not allowed to post there, but we did anyway. So, or I did anyway. I'll take full full responsibility. Um, but yeah, before we jump into that, there's a bunch of stuff, bunch of housekeeping stuff. One, we got shirts dropping on the website today, 5 p.m. Who knows if you listen to it by then? Hopefully they sell out. Hopefully we have no more, and uh, and everybody gets to be a participant in donating to. Protect Our Winters. So $5 of every t-shirt sale will go to Protect Our Winters. Um, new merch is up all the time. New stickers, uh, fun stuff, blog posts that Charlie's been writing. It's amazing. I'm super hyped. we got a bunch going on. Uh, we will be in Colorado for a whole week. Um, the week of the 20-something, 23rd, something like that. Last week in, uh, in January, we will be in Colorado for the Outdoor Retailer uh, event. And we'll be in Tahoe the following week. So if anybody wants to link up, go skiing, have fun uh, in the Colorado or um, Tahoe areas, let me know. Um, game to talk, game to hang out. Uh, me, Adam X, and Ethan El Photo, the legendary Ethan El Photo, will be there. Um, before we jump into today's episode, we have a few wonderful sponsors. Today, um, we're going to talk about our friends at OnX. OnX is your map companion in your pocket. They have the best uh, mapping software, mapping device. If you're familiar with um, OnX Hunt, um, if you're a hunter, if you're a hunter type, OnX Backcountry is similar. 
um, similar app. It is $29 for a whole year of the premium service. Um, gets you slope angles, weather patterns, uh, where the trailhead starts. It allows you to sync other people's notes. Like, there's a lot of stuff in this Onyx app, and I can't recommend this enough, especially if you are a backcountry enthusiast or aspiring backcountry enthusiast. Um, you want to check out Zones. Get on it. Um, go to www.onxbackcountry.com um, uh, and use promo code out of bounds when you check out. Uh, or if you just download the app and you upgrade to premium, use promo code out of bounds uh, and it'll save you 20% off on your already insanely cheap price of $29 for a whole year of the premium service. Um, so check them out, please. And I, uh, I will be forever thankful. Um, I also wanted to talk about our new partners at Mamu. Uh, Mamu is a new sponsor of ours, and they uh, make some of the best safety equipment in the entire world. Uh, they make the best beacon, point blank, that exists uh, in skiing uh, in the Berryvox, uh, Berryvox S as well. Uh, there is uh, no better product when it comes to avalanche safety and uh, just beacons in general. Like, I mean, this this thing's the shit. Um, so check that thing out. Uh, tons of people will tell you that this is the product, not just people sponsored by them. Uh, people actively seeking out specifically that Mammut Berry Box uh, beacon because it is, it's the one. It's it. Um, they also make some amazing gear, backpacks, shells, outerwear, the whole nine. Um, you can go to check them out on social at Mammut NA for Mammut's North America sector. Um, and then you can go to mamut.com uh, and check out everything that they have to offer product-wise worldwide. And also check out your local retailer. See if they carry Mamut and uh, and ask about it. That shit's awesome. The bags are amazing. I've been running a Nirvana um, for quite some time now. And it's got everything. It's like rear access. Um, so you can put your pack down, access everything from the back. Uh, the stuff is very functional. It's very thought out. And I think that's the most important thing when you talk about ski gear in general, but specifically when you start getting into that backcountry realm, everything needs to kind of make sense so that your time out there can be a little better. Um, and these guys do that better than anyone else in my opinion. So, um, check out Mamu uh, as soon as possible. Um, and with that, I will leave you guys for today. Uh, be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. Be sure to listen to all the other shows on the collective. Be sure to visit us on the web at www.outofcollective or outofpodcast.com. Whatever your preference is, both things are, uh, are currently active, um, and rolling. So, uh, without further ado, here's a wonderful conversation about ski boots and feet. Christoph, tell people once again, who you are, what your job title is at, uh, at Fisker skis and, uh, and we'll go from there. Yeah. What's up? Uh, my name is Christoph Lentz, and I am the product manager for Alpine Boots uh, at Fisher Sports, uh, based in the headquarters in Ried im Inkreis, Upper Austria, so near Salzburg. And uh, yeah, I realized I didn't. I last time I had you on, we didn't talk very much about your personal like background, and like we talked a little bit about it, but. Um, I think the audio was so shitty that maybe a lot of people didn't get it. So like talk about your background in skiing, talk about, I don't know why, why the interest in this job at all. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I grew up in Park City, Utah um, and started ski racing pretty early on. Um, was also a Nordic skier, a ski jumper uh, as well. Um, I have a German mother 
who's from Garmisch Partenkirchen in Bavaria, Germany. Uh, and she had a love for skiing. So it was kind of something we were always exposed to and part of the reason why we uh, grew up in Park City. Uh, it was yeah, something I always loved to do um, and was really my life for most of my uh, first 20 years on the earth. Um, raced all the way through, took a postgraduate year before moving out east um, and raced out of Williams College for four years. And yeah, East Coast Williams exposure pushed me in a totally different direction. Um, I did finance, worked for a startup in New York in Manhattan for four years and had a really good time, but also realized that uh, I missed the mountains, I missed skiing, and that was kind of what made me happy, even if yeah, there was more money to be made in New York and in FinTech. So uh, yeah, resigned, uh, 2019, moved to Europe, big change. Uh, having the German roots lets me, or gave me the ability to speak German uh, and a German passport, which kind of simplified things. And uh, yeah, kind of started learning, drinking from the fire hose, if you might, uh, about everything ski boots. Um, before that, I'd always been gear interested, but never really thought all the way through to how this stuff is made. Um, was always tinkering kind of with whatever I got. Um, and I think a lot of that had to do with kind of the racing mentality and always looking for an advantage, an edge, and wanting to yeah, have complete confidence in your stuff. So yeah, um, now I'm on the other side of things trying to make this stuff and it's a whole nother series of kind of hurdles and complications um, and just a whole nother challenge to make a lot of these things that are not so easy to make. Yeah. And I, I'm, uh, I'm very excited that you have this position and I have been for a little while. And I mean, we met in person a few weeks ago um, at the Ranger release. And one of the things that you notice right away talking to you is that you're super, super passionate about this and you actually like really, really care. And that's very, and you express it. I guess I, I'm sure a lot of boot guys care. They just don't, they're not like like ramped up like itching in their own skin about how much they care about ski boots and issues and making products better and making what people want to ski in more and i think that's one of the biggest differences and i think that's why fisher is lucky to have you if nothing else i mean you're bringing a different perspective um to a very austrian brand um so i think it's i think it's rad um, I think it's a great thing and I'm very excited and there's some very cool developments that have happened since you've been there. Um, last time you were on, we talked about Transalp, which was like, not really all you had some, you had something to do with it, but not, it wasn't your baby. Now we kind of jump into this year where we're going to talk about a boot that is now an award-winning boot um, as of today, um, a kid's boot, which I feel like before we get into this, why does nobody talk about kids boots or kids skis or kids product or rental ski? Like that's what makes the money for everybody is getting product into the hands of the next generation and rentals and like the next tier of skiers. Why why don't people talk about that enough? Yeah, um, I mean, it's definitely a, 
a segment that is overlooked. And that was, I think, um, part of the brilliance of, of trying to target that group. Um, I mean, it's a difficult one for the industry and for the brands to manage. I mean, the prices on kids' gear, and just speaking generally, kids' gear needs to be relatively low because they grow out of it so much and you kind of need to buy stuff year over year. Um, and so it's it's a difficult one for a sales rep or for um, everybody to, it's not the cash cow, but I agree with you. And I think that's the right attitude. And that was very much our thinking is target the next generation of skier, um, get them hooked and started early, get them exposed to the brand. Um, and from personal experience, I know if you have a boot brand out there, particularly boots, and you've had a bad experience with one, you really are never going to reach for that again, because there's so many good options out there. But if you have a good experience, why would you ever switch when you know that that it's worked for you? Um, yeah. Yeah, I got to say, like, the brand loyalty thing is still very much alive and well, even though it doesn't necessarily make any sense. The amount of people that you see come into a ski shop and go, oh, like, I have a foot for Technica or I have a foot for Roz. And you're like, it's the mold is different. Like, it's a different boot than it was the last time when you bought a Mega 8 or whatever the fuck, you know, like, it's just not it's not the same thing. So I guess it, you're right. It, they hold on to that idea that they have a foot for full tilt or for or for whatever um for a long time and i think one of the best things about the launch of this boot is that it's going to actually like put it in the hands of one the adult they're going to put it on their kid's foot and go okay here's an innovation that's like being made for my child and that's making my life easier it, and also like i don't know the kid at this age probably not going to remember that my first ski boot was a fisher but i mean Somebody told me it looks like a fucking Yeezy. Maybe they will. Like it looks, it looks, it's the best looking kids boot I've seen in a while. It's, we were at that Fisher event a few weeks ago talking about the new Ranger ski and all Adam and I could talk about was the stupid kids boot. For, and I shouldn't even say it's like a stupid kids boot because it's amazing. It's the best kids boot that I've seen in so long. Um, so I don't know. Talk, talk to me a little bit about what the boot is and why, why we're making such a big deal out of it. Yeah, um, I guess I won't go into using any superlatives to talk about it, um, but I, I tend to agree with you. Uh, it does look unlike really anything out there. Um, it is a different uh, construction basis than really anything else on the market today. Uh, and by that, we, we really focused on building a one-piece chassis that really allows us to reduce the weight um, and give the kids the stability they need. At the same time, we paired it with um, a zippered, double insulated, waterproof gaiter that covers the whole boot. Um, and this also with a lot of our experience in the Nordic side of things, working with a lot of soft components mixed with hard components. Um, we have some experience there. Um, and have, have uh, especially on the material side, have a lot of experience there. Um, in general, we, when we really started the project, we, we had it on paper that this was the, the area to focus on for all the reasons already listed. And we started going out with kids and their parents 
with ski schools and actually spending a bunch of time um, on the slopes and figuring out what really the problems are. And that's like watching a lot of kids put on and off ski boots. They're struggling to get it on and off. They need help. Um, so that's kind of the start of it. Then you go through a whole day skiing with two to five-year-olds, which was an experience in of itself for me because it's been a long time since I've skied with like little kids and going to the lodge and just seeing like the daily struggles that everybody's got. So the idea was if we can fix those, there's obviously a huge commercial opportunity here, brand loyalty, et cetera, but we can also just make skiing more fun, more enjoyable for the kid importantly, but also the parents or the ski instructor or whoever's actually taking them out. Um, so the goal was to make it easy for the kid to put it on and off themselves. And that led to kind of some of these design considerations that I went into, kind of the lightweight um, single chassis, the, the zipper, the gator, that construction was really born out of all this analysis and kind of user panels and observation and really trying to identify the problem areas. Then of course, there's the, the warmth factor, dry factor, comfort factor, um, needing to, to, to get that right. And then lastly was really the weight. So when you look at a lot of our historical boots, a lot of the boot competitor boots, and I mean, our alone, those molds had not been touched in a decade. So it's not a, a segment that's readily being innovated. Um, and a lot of the competitors are similar. You do a color update every two, three years, but right. you, you're not reinventing and kind of, it's not on the, on the leading edge of the development. But in this case, we spent the last several years really honed in on that. Um, and that was seeing, okay, how can we fit the right anatomy of the kids? And so giving them the right shape, which helps keep it warm but also helps us reduce the weight. So we saved about 20%, 25% over where we've been in the past, which is about 80 grams per boot on a 15.5, which doesn't sound a lot, but when you add that up, so times two is already 160 grams. Um, and we at Fisher have new skis and bindings coming this year as well that have the same focus of kind of making everything easier more enjoyable that also reduced the weight. We come to like 600 grams reduced in total on the set. And when you do that math based on what a little two-year-old weighs for an adult, that's like saving a couple pounds and yeah. that changes your day completely. Like you have more energy, just everything is, is smilier when you're yeah. not flipping that weight around. Yeah, and I imagine this has a huge opportunity for lease business, uh, for shops to like buy into their programs. Like this is the boot that I'm bringing in for us for sure. I mean, it's it, it's a no brainer because why wouldn't you? You're fitting a rental boot or you're fitting a fitting a kid's boot at all. The biggest quarrel is always like getting that thing on a little kid's foot. You know, it's like especially if you have a boot that has two buckles and you're not using like a rear entry style boot. It's uh. It's pretty insane. So I guess one of the one of the things I wonder is, does this have further application down the line for bigger sizes? 
not necessarily adults any maybe it does but i'm not super interested in just adults this right now goes ranger 1 15 16 and 17 right and then the 2 is 7 18 19 20 correct so does this have applications for a 20 and you know a 21 through a 25 say right because that's one of the biggest categories where kids parents start buying or leasing a new boot um in a lot of ways is that is that first is that like 21 to 25 size yeah we kind of um especially in our analysis broke it down into different stages and okay. we we developed this for what we see as kind of that that earliest stage where there's still like these kids are not going out skiing by themselves there's always uh parental or adult supervision um usually in ski school or just going skiing with the parents and really like at the age where skiing is almost more just playing in the snow like you put your skis on and slide around on the magic carpet or the bunny hill for a little bit but then it's also about building a snow cave and throwing having a snowball fight and all the other winter fun things to do as a as a child there is of course a step above that and really this construction was focused where ski performance was not one of our key factors of success we were really looking at that ease of handling the warmth comfort factor and the reduction of weight um not to say we didn't think about how this boot skis um and we did test to make sure all of that was in order but really these kids are not at that level yet and right. so i see that as a clear distinction to the yeah next step up which is a three and four buckle more substantial boot once they really start progressing and this is really for that age of you're getting comfortable with the novel feeling that we all love by now the sliding over snow powered by gravity like that's weird at the beginning yeah no and, i think i think it's huge for that I, it, and i guess i don't even mainly i want one in the 27.5 and i want to be able to ski one myself eventually because it's it looks fucking cool and that was half of the messages that i got was like all right I don't have a kid and my response was like make a kid or find a kid and give them this boot but people like this kind of design and i think there's so many people out there that have the thought of like ski boots are uncomfortable i don't care about performance my only goal is to do one thing and that's to get down the hill and have a good time so i guess it's two things but it's that's what their goal is so I don't know. That's that's why I wonder about the the future potential implications for a design like this. Um, even if it adds a buckle, even if it adds a, I don't know, it adds something to it because there's, a, I don't know, I don't know. It's just a thought. It's a hope and a dream. It's a pipe dream. Yeah. Um, I it's definitely there are companies out there that have a a open zipper construction for adults. Yeah, I know. It's not the same, though. This is and not. I think, I think I think uh, it might not be the right application for you. But I think for the target group where we were really focused, it is the right application. I, I've skied with you and I know you like skiing and it, yeah. your ski day is not all about getting in and out of your boots. I know it just looks cool. And I think that there's a there's a gap to be bridged here in the future. And it's not now. But there's a gap to be bridged between people that 
just want they want to have a boot that does everything right and i don't know that we'll ever get to the point where you can have a boot that you wear around town and also go skiing in right and this is maybe a completely insane even thought but i think that's where a lot of this shit can start like and that's it's where we eventually get to this point where skiing is totally accessible in a way that like okay this is my snow boot i do everything snow related in this obviously bindings skiing is more complicated than just that that's kind of where my head is at it's not necessarily just me personally i just think the thing fucking looks cool and i want to like have a cool looking boot like not that the trans out that i ski and ski in regularly doesn't look cool but there's a there's a certain design aspect that i think you guys knocked out of the park with this kid's boot that people are really vibing with which is uh which is really neat. I don't know. I, I guess I'm 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 impressed, but I'm also I'm hopeful for uh, some future innovations from this this crew over at Fisher. I think. Yeah, I mean, I think you're hung up on the Yeezy comparison, and you're just like, <laughs> I gotta have it. Um, and I would no, say there people are your trans Alps too. There is a little bit of a common design link there. Um, I think the team did a great job on it. Um, it looks great. It's been working great for us, um, and the reception has been been awesome. Um, it's definitely an eye catcher, um, yeah. and something that's really unique and innovative on the market. Um, so I'm really excited to 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 see where it goes from here. Um, no, it's amazing. Really, you, guys, you guys are going to sell a million of them. I hope. We both hope. Um, we both. On that topic, I mean, you just won an ISPO award. We're going to talk about that real quick. I mean, that's like, that's crazy. That just happened today, basically. So this is like fresh, fresh news. Like, what does that kind of validation feel like? Uh, it's cool. I mean, and I guess kind of in my whole trajectory personally here, I mean, I feel really fortunate to to be at Fisher at this moment. I think uh, it's been a tough couple years for the ski industry and the world at large with everything going on. But um, I think when I look at the the Fisher product portfolio and the team that has helped bring such things as the Fisher one and the Fisher two uh, to market, I'm, I'm stoked. And so I feel like I'm got a really awesome position and a great vantage point to kind of see what happens. And I'm really thankful that they gave me enough trust to kind of hand me the keys to the boot making operations and let's see what we can we can do yeah what we talked a little bit about this when i saw you last the the order of operations or the chain of command i guess if you will in austria seems very different than it is in the u.s so like you go there and you're like you're in your position you get to be like okay look i'm the guy now and people people listen to you people that have been making boots for a long time respect your opinion and respect your position because of the position that you were put in right yeah um i mean it's it's a unique role kind of being in charge of an international product collection and my right. to quote my boss i mean it to be a product manager for one country or one market is really easy you just listen to the market and make what they ask for um but when you're balancing a dozen large markets, a couple dozen huge countries, um, everybody with kind of conflicting interests, it's uh, 
you need somebody there who who makes the decision because everybody else is already kind of too biased who's deep enough into their market so um yeah it's been it's been cool to see um i think i don't know i'm a passionate skier and i think that's i've been associated with the fisher brand for a while but it's uh, we've i've had a long uh relationship and so i i am passionate about it and it's been cool i think looking back to my last job was not excited about what i did every day yeah and, uh, it's cool to be in a position where you're pretty jazzed about um going to work every day i will say it has changed my experience on the ski hill because i just can't go skiing the same way without How so? boots everywhere oh and yeah I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hey man, that's like a first generation Hawks. You don't see that every day. Yeah. Care. Yeah. But that's what makes you so good at your job. And I like, I feel like this is a fluff piece on you right now, but you're, you're, you pay attention to that kind of shit. And all day you're like, even when I saw you, even today, you're like showing me screenshots of shit that I posted. And you're like, this is how I think, this is how I look at other stuff. And I'm sure other people do this too, but I don't know. It shows a certain level of care that and awareness that like there's other shit going on around you other than just what happens in Fisher. And that sounds really obvious to a lot of the people on the outside, but <laughs> it's not. It, it's not a thing that everybody just thinks. It's not a way that everybody just thinks in terms of like the global aspect of uh, of branding and and the way the product is made. Yeah, uh, I I have a hard time saying from from my seat but yeah uh it's wild because pretty much most of my social network and everybody i know is is the ski world so right um, being deep in there is is nice and it's also yeah a relatively small <laughs> section in the grand scheme of things to to focus in on so yeah i'm having fun Good. I'm glad. Um, all right, let's move along to uh, Ranger updates uh, for boots. Uh, what changed for next year? Um, colorway is very good, by the way. Um, I'm a huge fan, and I hope all the Austrians listening uh, know that I very much think that this is like the best colorway that has come out of Fisher in a long time. Like the cola and green is not something that we've seen in a while. What are we calling it officially? Uh, we're calling it cola. Oh, so, right. Yeah, it is. It is called cola. Um, and the green is some sort of forest green. Um, <laughs> don't don't quote me on the Pantone there. But yeah, uh, the Ranger got an update for 22, 23. Um, and this was more than just a visual update. We tried to pull as many levers as we could to ramp up the performance of the boot um without modifying the molds so kind of uh so the first thing we did was uh change the shell material from gorillamid to pu and that was uh to a large degree to help the flex and the skiing of the boot i think within the fisher collection um we have introduced the transalp last year and so that gave us another option in addition to the Traverse as a uphill oriented, still relatively lightweight boot 
which gave us room to ramp up the Ranger, which had previously been our second touring boot in the lineup and was the downhill oriented one. Um, now that we have really three, and if you include the Ranger one, four um, touring boots, we, we decided to, to really put the Ranger um, as much in the downhill performance category as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's also a recognition that people going uphill in this boot are, are doing it uh, to ski the downhill. And a lot of people are skiing this boot in resorts and maybe not necessarily walking uphill. Uh, the change to the PU shells really helped the rebound um, of the entire boot. The Gorilla Mid is notoriously dead and ceramic, um, doesn't give you kind of the same feeling you're used to in a standard ski boot. Um, so there's a little more liveliness there. It's also more durable and it shrinks a little bit less than the Gorilla Mid. So we've actually gained a little bit of a different fit through less material shrinkage after it comes out of the mold. Okay. Um, in addition to that, we completely redid the liner. So that also was to focus on making it ski better. Uh, we stiffened the tongue. We used more dense materials in the body of the liner that are more pack out prone and kind of give it a snugger, more compact fit. Uh, we reworked the heel and the kind of the heel pocket to make that sit better. Um, and what else did I say? And we put uh, Velcro outer. So what we're calling that our IFZ individual fit zone lining that makes it all Velcro pad adjustable. Okay. Um, which is a kind of shortcut boot fitting method where we have pads that have Velcro backing that you can cut in all shapes and sizes, come in pre-cut shapes and sizes that uh, make a world of difference if you've got an ankle hotspot or missing some heel hold or a lot of general uh, midfoot ailments. So in all in all, uh, those were kind of the technical updates. Uh, We gained a little bit of weight, 180 grams, um, but we think that's in line with where it needs to be. And in my personal opinion, I think the extra weight is a benefit when you're charging downhill. And we know that people charge in this boot. Uh, The whole lineup got a new color update. And I have to give credit to our designer, who I think did a good job of mixing the new Ranger ski lineup and kind of finding a new direction for this whole Ranger collection, including the skis. That's a little more understated, some non-traditional Fisher colors um, that has this clean, but still finished um, and strong look. And yeah, this is the result. Um, So yeah, I'm skiing the Ranger 130 pro model um and the only other difference on this boot to all the others is it has the the vibram grip walk soles for a little extra stickiness got it um size so two questions i guess one i want to know sizes that are that this thing is available in um and that will be shipping in the fall um the other thing i'd like to know is how do we feel about the 
boots that have pins in them, but no walk modes. Um, because that's one of the that was one of the top when I posted all the new line stuff for next year. One of the main questions was about that K2 boot that has pins in it, but no walk mode. And last year, all I did was shit all over the uh, Krypton for having pins and no walk mode. Um, and this year, I talked to after I talked to Tom, and he kind of explained who that boot is for. I kind of get it a little more, um, but I was wondering what your opinion was on that, and if we're going to start to see a, uh, I don't know, a curve or a podium um, boot with pins in it in the near future. I think uh, to answer your last question, I think a podium boot is is unlikely as those those molds are very much the property of our race department and they, <laughs> they don't fucks with the the pin inserts in their in their boots um yeah i mean it's something i think we've kind of seen coming a little bit you mentioned the daldella boot the krypton uh that that was really the kind of the first one to do it i mean if you look at in general like the the boys in victor idaho cast system getting plug race boots sent to them and reworking those inserts right. into it. it's not completely new there's been kind of a core segment of people who have have been doing it for a minute and i mean if you you think about who's going to use that it's going to be somebody who doesn't want or doesn't really care about how fast they get uphill like they want supreme power and control and most fun when they ski downhill um and ergo the cast bindings right um yeah i if you if you think about a touring boot the most important direction of range of motion is to the front i think the industry is a little fixated on range of motion numbers. I mean, it's yeah. a number that you can put in your spec sheet and it's something easy for a shop employee to quote, but it's that on. Yeah. Like if you walk, when you, when you're skinning, when you're boot packing, the movement, your knee and your ankle makes is to the front and the, like the motion to the back, in my opinion, is most necessary for driving the car. <laughs> pushing the gas pedal and it, but like the trailers uh, and the trans Alp are great boots. If you're so inclined driving cars, but yeah, like the motion to the back becomes critical if you're skinning on flat. So Got it. okay, he's going to ski steeps. You don't think it matters. I get it. I get it. We see, I mean, Atomics started to do it with their hybrid technology. They've got setting up their molds, so they only need to put a toe insert. They're getting rid of the back insert. You can kind of see where it's going. Um, a lot of people skiing in shift bindings. A lot of people skiing in a Duke PT binding. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see how it performs. I'm interested to see, yeah, if, you, yeah. if, if they're successful with it or not. I don't know if the market is there, but a core group of skiers I, yeah, that's what I was just going to say. I think to some people, it probably is a very good product um, and it makes sense. Um, I, I also, I wondered if there was anything that deteriorated the quality of that downhill boot and 
the quality of the product overall by adding pin inserts to a regular Alpine boot. But I imagine not, right? Like, I mean, you got everybody makes a touring boot with a with an Alpine Norm. There were some stories a while back, um, and some of some certain types of inserts had some problems. I don't want to say exactly which one it was because I'm not certain anymore. But um, yeah, it's totally still in the norm. It's not a problem. Okay. Um, yeah, but I mean, it costs more. And so I think that's kind of the question. I mean, putting an insert in a boot is a big cost factor. And will the market pay for that? Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Uh, and I think the thing is, is that we pay so much attention to that premium product, that top end stuff, but realistically it's where the least amount of money is actually made and it's where the most amount of money is actually spent. So it's really, we talk about it a lot, but to me, it's not, I don't know what are shops are not going to sell that many of them. It's cool. It's a cool conversation piece. Um, and I think it's cool to talk about, but I talked to somebody in my DMS today about like why they do that. And to, in why I like skiing in a touring boot. And my reasoning was exactly the same as what you said. It's like, I like putting my boots on in my living room and driving to the hill. And he was like, I like to go walk around at lunch and feel comfortable. <laughs> and those were like our reasons. So I guess it's uh, you make a valid point with, uh, with all that. There's options out there for sure. Um, all right. One of the last things I want to talk to you about is, uh, women's boots, uh, or boots that go down to a 22.5 in a 130 flex in a true 22.5. Um, for those that are unfamiliar, the girls, um, that host the Monday show, big stick energy add, uh, Matt Manzer, I believe his name is on from atomic, um, to talk about their Fox 130 in a 22.5 and, since then basically everybody from every company has reached out to me saying like okay look there are other options in 225 uh in a 130 in a true 130 flex um here's also the reasons why like it's not as readily available um i i'm kind of somewhere in the middle of the two sides the because i think there's the camp that's like okay do you necessarily need a 130 flex boot um and if you do what's wrong with the men's one and then there's the other camp that's like women need 130 flex boots. Absolutely. I feel like I'm somewhere in between because I feel like most men don't need a 130 flex boot. Um, I feel like most people probably don't need a 130 flex boot. And again, we're talking about a small segment of the market that is very, I don't know. It's like not that many people are going to buy 130 flex boots, but period, like across the board. So um, so you tell me what's, what's the, what's Fisher's stance on it? What's offered in smaller sizes that can be compatible for a 130 for somebody that wants a 130 flex option down to a 22. Um, what is, what's the story? Um, and if you can, because you wrote me a long email about why this doesn't exist, talk to me a little bit about why it doesn't exist more readily on the market, not just from you guys, but in general. Yeah. I guess yeah. Now I'm going on the record on, on, on my thoughts here. No, uh, you don't have to say anything like. I think there's a important distinction in kind of the way you framed everything as well. Uh, when you say women's boots in a 130 flex, I think everybody, every brand offers that, um, and right. has, especially including race boots, something in that segment. 
Um, I think there's a certain special conversation about women's touring boots in Flex 130. And I think there's a special conversation about touring boots that get sold with the 130 Flex name. And I think there's already, even within the male population, the, the whole discussion of what is a 130 Flex and what is a 130 Flex touring boot. So there's kind of a number of mixed messages there. I think the, the toughest part is speaking more about the touring boot side. And I, I kind of dodged your question earlier. I mean, we wanted to, and we proposed the Ranger with uh, 20, starting at size 22.5. Unfortunately, there was not enough demand to make that size. So we didn't reach the minimum order quantity for it to be worthwhile to make that size. And then the pre forecast numbers where we have to start making the decisions, are we going to produce or not, we're dangerously low. And so that's an easy decision for everybody else involved that that doesn't make sense to produce. I think that's kind of the, the crux of the argument is why does that happen? Where me am convinced and I listen to all the, all of your shows, I listen to all the big stick energy shows, I get the topic. Um, but even in my position, I can't force that out. It's one of those, we need the next step of dealers to recognize that there's a market there. Yeah, And it's kind of the question, yeah, does that make sense? Um, yeah, it's a, it's a complicated topic because- Yeah, and I didn't mean to frame it poorly either. I, I guess my- because you're right, like everybody already makes a race boot. There are a lot of all mountain boots that are able that you can buy down to that 22.5. But touring boots are, I think, where people are hung up on the most lately. Um, I, I just wonder where that change starts to happen, right? Because I think people think, oh, it's Fisher that's not offering it. And it's not that you guys aren't offering it. It's that there isn't enough buy in because it's not like you know people get to raise their hand preseason and go i want one and that's how you determined you know who wants what right and i think that's one of the biggest things that needs to be talked about and people kind of need to understand is the pressure needs to be put not just on brands because i think a certain amount of it does belong on the brands but it needs to be presented to the reps in a way that they can sell it to shops correctly and shops need to understand that, like, okay, there is a market for this kind of thing. This is this is important. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think there's going to be a reckoning in probably the coming year years, with I think this being a hot topic, and probably shops starting to carry more and more smaller sizes. Yeah. Um, and I I hope that's the case, and I hope they fly off the shelves because. I mean, I'm all for, for being inclusive. Um, my fear is that in a year, there's going to be way too many uh, 22, 21.5s on, on stock. And yeah, then the industry is going to retreat even further. So I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I, and again, such a small percentage of people that actually need this thing, but it's it's always a bummer to me when you know, the options aren't there for the people that really want them and for the people that really want to ski them. Um, and I, 
to me, I always have this image in my head of like Alex Armstrong modifying her boots uh, or Hadley Hammer modifying her boots so that she can have a performance touring boot that's good enough for her to ski on and feel like she gets the performance that she needs out of it. That's a that's where I guess I have the that's why I'm so stuck on the conversation, even though like I, I understand, like I said, I'm very much in the middle. I think it's uh, we need some. The option needs to be there. And it's one of those things that like we're going to lose money on it uh, being the companies. And that's OK. It, but it's hard to I don't know. Bottom line is the bottom line. So it's hard to it's hard to position it like that. Yeah. Um I love Hadley Hammer and I want her to have the best skiing boots possible. I think she's <laughs> getting on her way there. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's definitely going to be a, a topic to observe, I think. Um, yeah, we'll see. I've, I'm, I'm still new here. So let's see what I can do. And yeah. Check back in with me in a couple of years. We'll see where we're at. I will. I'm sure I'm sure you'll get some stuff done. I'm uh, I'm very excited, as I've told you. And I think you're doing a great job. And I, I, I guess the main reason I bring this up is that I want people to know that it's not like it. you didn't push for it, right? It's not as simple as like the Fisher boot guy hates people with small feet and that ski well. It's not, that's not what the situation is. And I feel like the internet is this big suck hole where that's, which is a new word maybe or a new phrase. The internet is a new suck hole where at like somebody has an idea and then everybody has the same idea and everybody thinks it applies to everything and everybody's like oh the fisher guys hate small people that ski like and it's just not it's not what's happening at all so it's uh i don't know it's uh i've I just felt like it was important to touch on so yeah. um hashtag small feet matter too hashtag small yeah, small everything matters. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, Christoph, thank you for the time. This has been great. Um, where can people find you on social? If people want to reach out to you about boot stuff, uh, are you willing to engage them? Uh, what's uh, what's the story there? I'm very happy to engage. I'll tell you whatever I know. Um, I'm on Instagram, uh, Christoph underscore Lentz, Z. But yeah um yeah happy to happy to chat even happier to go ski um yeah for sure I look forward to the next time we get to go do that yeah oh yeah i need an austria invite uh asap at lando um anyway all right uh this is uh, this is it thank you dude all right take care Cannon mountain is a partner of the out of bounds podcast those guys sponsor us. They support us. You should support them. Go skiing at Cannon because, one, it's some of the best lift access skiing that you can ski in New England, point blank. I don't think anybody will argue with that, period. Um, the stuff is good. It's fast. It's steep. It's a ton of fun. And there's no epic lift lines. Surprise. It's fun. You can go skiing. You don't have to wait hours and hours and hours to get in a lift line. Cannon's the shit. Go ski at Cannon. I hope you guys enjoy your time there and hit me up. Let's go ski there. Let's uh, let's go hang out there. So um, check out Cannon Mountain ASAP. Tom, <laughs> tell people who you are and then a little bit about yourself and then obviously who you work for. Yeah. So, hey, I'm Tom Petrosky. Um I am now the product line manager for K2 Ski Boots and until about May, Full Tilt Ski Boots. Uh 
So I've been in that position basically two years now. Um, was kind of working for K2 a little bit before as a sub rep. Uh, so I was helping out the BC rep up in Canada. Before that, uh, yeah, I, I was a boot fitter basically. So started boot fitting in 2004. So went through to like 2020, uh, no, 2019. So about 15 years overall. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's it seems like a weird. You were the first person that people, when I started talking about Full Tilt going away, you were the first person that people were like, oh, Tom, like, what do you think about this? Like, what, what's going on? And I, and I had no idea who you were at this point. So <laughs> it was uh, it was interesting to see people come at, on New Schoolers specifically come out of the wood, woodworks and be like, oh, like, mm -hmm. this guy must know something about this. Yeah, I mean, I forgot as well. I actually worked for New Schoolers for a season as well. Did uh, you? So I was on their gear team. Uh, so I was a gear editor for a season. I back when uh, it was still Bishop there, Twig yep. was just kind of starting out as well. So, yeah, back in like 2015, I want to say it was. So They have a good crew of people over there. I, I enjoy it. Like, yeah. yeah, it's it's the shit. It's like the only platform that exists like that still. Yeah. It's, uh, it's really important to a lot of people. It is, cause, like, because people talk about TGR as well. It's like the more adult one. But I go on, I, I scan TGR. I'm not like even a member of that. Am, but like I, I go on there to see if the, what they know about new stuff coming out. New schoolers is always better. The people in yeah. new schoolers care about gear. So, well, and the yeah. people that are writing the reviews and the articles are like actual users of the product, not just a paid writer for a product. Precisely. And that's like that's the biggest thing. I, like I've read so many reviews this year, and most of the good ones I feel like have come from new school from like. Not even from somebody that we would know, like just some yeah. some kid that's like, "Here are my actual thoughts." Totally. Like it's great when Tweak doesn't, but like it's like there's so many people out there that are just putting out really good, mm -hmm. thoughtful product analysis that you would never expect. It's the um, great thing with new school is that anybody can do it as well. And like, yeah, yeah, it's it's a great little format and. Yeah, yeah, you get some abuse still, but I, I love new schoolers. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> so. People picked on you a bit on uh, on the internet. Not really. Back in the day, I would like because I started kind of giving advice there probably like ten years ago, and I'd be the cocky little boot fitter at that point, just telling yeah, everyone yeah. how they were wrong. Uh, but like, it was me and one nerdy kid, like the atomic guy who does what I do as well. So yeah, we kind of teamed up quite a lot of the time. But it's quite funny going back to look at some of the old friends like from ten years ago and go. Like, should probably keep that quiet considering what I do for a job now. So Yeah. <laughs> did you did you listen to his interviews with his interview with the girls? Yeah, yeah, I did. What I've, I've listened to a lot of Matt's. Yeah, I mean uh, me and Matt I, we get on well. Like I've only ever met him one time in person. Oh really? Uh, very briefly, yeah. Like we've talked a lot online and shit, but um yeah, I've only ever met him once, but but a lot of time for Matt. I think a lot of the reason I'm doing this now is because I always kind of looked at what he was doing. I thought he did it, and he does do it really well. But I think I can carry that legacy on and keep it yeah. even more new schoolers and do some cool shit with it. So he was, I thought he was really thoughtful with the girls. And I also think it, it's funny, like, I got a message basically from every brand head in mm. skiing about like how they felt about the interview, mm. and it was like. Some people were like, okay, some really good points. And I think women in general were like, this is a really, a lot of really good points were made in this interview about mm -hmm. ski boots and about what Atomic is doing well and about what women want in ski boots. Yeah. The thing that I guess 
everybody else had commentary on was like, okay, there is more than just the atomic boot out there. It's just that Matt did the right job. Matt did his job in terms of placing his product in the right place at the right time. Mm -hmm. So yeah, no, he, that's what he does very well. He's very <laughs> on the side and like, it's definitely something I'm trying to learn a little bit more. And cause we've got some, like, I, I think once everybody realizes what we've got coming for women, yeah, I, I gave Matt a little bit of shit because they're making that uh, Hawks Ultra 130, whatever it is, the XTD, in yeah. 22 5, 23 5 with a short cuff. But if a woman's 24, she can't have a short cuff version. She has to wear the men's one. So they're not really doing it. Probably. Yeah, right. Because they're only doing two sizes. Yeah. <laughs> so I was calling Matt out on that one. We had a bit of a laugh about that. But it's yeah. uh it, it's funny everybody seems to have some issue in this specific category and we won't harp on this too too much because i feel like the internet has done a good enough job about like voicing their opinion on women wanting more options in smaller sizes and frankly men having more options in smaller oh. sizes too like i was in winter park for the fisher event last week and mm -hmm. talking to christoph lentz who's their boot guy there and he's like he's screaming at he's like we're at dinner and he's like literally like yelling in my face he's like look i tried so hard to get a ranger 130 down to a 21.5 different shell size like make it happen it's just that when i put it on the order sheet 21 people in the united states or something like that ordered it and like he's like yeah. that and it's shops that are the issue and it's the not just shops, it's sales reps that are the yep. issue that come in that it, in that scheme of things, I guess. Yep. No, I feel that. <laughs> I've been trying like, to it, get that I guess as well. The point is like it shouldn't fall on guys like you or like Christoph or Matt because you guys are aware of this and want mm. to make the product. It's the people that are selling this product in that end up causing a lot. And not to put all the pressure on the reps, but it's like that's, that's really where it starts for a lot of shops. Yeah, and like our all reps are awesome. Obviously, that's yeah. they're salespeople. It's great, but like, not to say they get stuck in their ways, but they sell what works. They, if they something 100%. sells, they're gonna keep doing it. They like if they can make money, awesome. Sometimes it's our job as well, like product guy, product managers, to, to say to them, look, you might not believe this, but we believe this, and if you offer this, you'll sell it. And at the end of the day, if they can see that they're gonna make money it'll happen. So there's a few things we're pushing or I've been pushing that are a bit untraditional, but I think it, you'll see, you'll see, I hope, I hope we'll see it really work. So 21's a big one right now because <laughs> yeah. I'm pushing hard for that one. So um, while we're on, while we're on this topic, what do you guys have at K2 coming, coming out that's going to be applicable in this category? what do you mean which category like uh, i more mean like it, smaller sizes available correct shell and not just like smaller sizes actual correct shell sizes yeah, for yeah. those smaller sizes right because a lot of companies make a 22 and it's in a 275 millimeter shell or yeah. something like that you know so what does k2 have coming out for that yeah. because the boot line and the boot product line as a whole is phenomenal right now i've i've said it over and over again it's it's really really good it's just the offering kind of needs to be expanded in a lot of ways. Yeah, and I mean, I guess we should touch on now then because this is even tricky for us right now because I'm kind of like K2 boot line, like your mind benders, your recon anthems. Yep. That's not half the line because technically the full tilt stuff is now K2 boots as right, well. Right, right, right. So K2 flex, as we're calling it. Yeah. Um, I'll kind of keep that separate because currently, obviously, we're, we're doing what full tilt did. 
So we're using the same models. Nothing's been updated there yet. So sizing on that is a little bit different. Okay. If we talk about K2, the overlap boots, though. Yep. Um, so all of our women's boots, 222. So all of them are down there. Um, and in terms of the product offerings, uh, if we look at like look at Anthem, which is your, your female recon. Uh, so we've got this year coming, we've got the Anthem Team and the Anthem Pro. Both of those are 125 flex, which basically equates to our 130 in the men's. So they're basically 130 boots. They've got the same feature set, and they're available in women's sizing 27.5 right down to 22.5. So, yeah, a woman needs a 130 flex boot. Uh, she wants a fixed cuff. We've got them available in either the Pro, which is our sort of like carving boot. I'm hesitant to say that because it's, you know, it's a, a ski boot, but it's a fixed it's cuff. Alpine soles, but then the team is rad because that's going to be your grip walk one. But then we have the tech inserts in the toe, uh, so mm -hmm. that's going to be for your cast binding user, your shift user, duke. It's basically that boot for like if I go touring, I'm talking like half an hour walk up to go and ski something rad. I'm not really the guy who's going to be out into the back country for six, seven hours. So I wanted to build this boot that is the ultimate kind of little shredder that you can tore up in so we've got it for men the recon team we've got it for women the anthem team and it's going to be the highest performing fixed cuff boot that you can still tore in so pretty yeah. stoked on those ones that's a then, cool that's something that i didn't really understand because debello did it this year last year and i was a little confused yeah. as to why they offered it and then they were still making pantera like to, to me that was the most this is not your product line so like i can talk a little bit of shit but i was like <laughs> so confused about why they made a pantera without tech inserts at all right it's like a barely walkable yeah. <laughs> not comfort boot necessarily it's still like some performance but no pin capability with a walk mode and then they make a krypton with pin inserts and no walk mode and i was like what the fuck is going on right now like what is happening <laughs> but i guess when you say it like that for cast for specific people for cast users and for shift users that are just doing a quick tour yeah. it makes sense it almost leans on like that old duke customer that was that, that was really never touring in their dukes exactly. they were just like taking it off of the chairlift and going another 20 minutes and trying to ski something fun exactly this all came originally from mark Abner. um when I, I was living in whistler for a long time uh, i used to help out mark with his boots and he would be using the guardian back then the salmon guardian uh, but he would never use their quest boot he always used the ghost which was the fixed cuff because it was like I don't care if it's a bit harder on the way up. I want the ultimate skiing back down. And back then you're in Guardians anyway, so it skis like an alpine binding. But he was always really keen on having a boot that was a fixed cuff that he could still tour in. So this was kind of where it was coming from. You look at the cast binding now, you're not spending hours hiking on a cast binding. It's still quite a heavy setup. So for this sure. boot is for that guy who is wanting to be able to use it to get somewhere. But they're, you know, maybe they're going to build a kicker out in the backcountry. They want a boot that is super, super solid. Not that the mind bender isn't, it's still super solid. But the recon any fixed cuff boot is going to feel different than even a mind bender. Sure. So it's just giving people the options. And uh we were lucky in the way that we build the recon and the mind bender that we're able to offer it. So it was something yeah. I, I actually wanted it last season, it didn't come out, uh, but we got it coming for 22. So, okay yeah. cool so a couple things there one and the girls would stab me if i didn't ask this question 
Uh, why a 125 versus calling it a 130? And again, I, I think it's important to preface this by saying if you know ski boots, you know that a 120 doesn't mean something's a 120 across the board necessarily. Mm-hmm. 120, a recon 120, and a mind vendor 120, even within the same brand, flex very differently. Totally. You know, it's just it's the nature of the beast. But why why name it a 125 yes. versus naming it a 130 or a one? And I get the five increment thing because that's what's been done. And if that's the only reason, I get it. But it's not just that. It comes back to a little bit what we were saying about people sell what they know. And if we come out straight away and go, we've got a 130 women's boot, alarm bells are ringing a lot, a lot of buyers as well. Um, they hear 125, they're like, oh, okay, 125 makes sense makes no sense it's right. still a 130 <laughs> but in their heads it doesn't send that alarm bell off in the same right. way that saying 130 does so i agree it's kind of dumb but yeah. um it's i think it works as well so I, I think it'll sell more boots i hope i hope it'll fix the problem because that's been the hurdle to get over for so many years is, is like we said selling more units in that category exactly. so i i look at this as a good thing because it's honestly creating an opportunity for some change right maybe people will see it incrementally and it helps that k2 has a good price point boot like the boots are priced aggressively as it is so it it makes it a little better i think when you start offering that kind of premium product i think it it definitely helps i always say this is like some of the reps will come to me like we're making 140 boots and we're like, we're not going to sell many of them. And I'm like, no, you're not. But the people who are going to buy them are usually the ones who are going to sell the regular boots to other people. It's the guys in the shops working there. We have a product that if I was working in a shop and somebody brought out a recon team, they say, that's 140 flex boots, got tech inserts. I'm like, dope, sign me up. Then if I'm wearing that boot, I'm way more likely to pull out a recon 100 to your everyday customer. So I think it's really important that, no, we're not going to sell many units of these boots, but we're going to sell them to the key people and it's going to be a storyteller. And it's, I look at it as well. It's like the magazines are always going to look at it if magazines still exist, you know, (laughs) (laughs) and websites. But uh, yeah, it's, I think the key, the key boots to have, even if they're not unit drivers overall. Right. Yeah. It's important. It's, it's the same reason that you sponsor an athlete in a lot of ways, right? It's because that athlete not just shows that they're on the product. It's not that somebody looks at Sammy Carlson and goes, I ski like him. It's that they look at Sammy Carlson and go, okay, this is a good product because if he can ski, I can ski. And I think the same logic applies to so many different areas in ski boots for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, Talk to me about, like, is anything changing in Mindbender line? You have a new boot coming out. I mean, there's a lot going. You have, I, I do not envy you in a lot of ways, but at the same time, I do because you have so much to talk about. But so what's what's changing with Mindbender? If yeah. So Mindbender, we're bringing out Recon, uh, sorry, Mindbender team as okay. well. So, uh, yeah, well, basically, if people don't know, we have the Recon Pro. Um, that's out right now. It's as kind of standard recon shell we do stiffen up the cuff but we also give it a power plate and the power plate basically raises it it's adjustable it's like the old race plates that you would have had right. from salmon boots it's cool though because you can raise the height of the front of the cuff you can bring it more inside to get a bit more kind of inside pressure on the ski we've had that on recon for a while uh, we're now bringing it into mind bender as well uh, and we're also building bringing out a mind bender that's going to be 140 flex for men 125 130 for women uh full-on blackout it looks real sick it matches up with any ski so that's for that guy again who just wants to go as hard as possible in a mind bender boot we're doing the full 
bells and whistles one. And cool thing we do have as well is the uh, booster strap. Uh, you probably know that their patent has expired. So yep. we now have booster straps on the top models as well. So I've heard a couple people are doing this thing and it's it's great, man. Like that's it's finally I I wondered for years and then I realized it was a patent thing and I'm like Yeah. This yeah. is so stupid. Like this is this is how it should be. Everybody should have access to this. Yeah. No, it's it's dope. It is cool as well because like we we were up at Mount Hood this summer. We were kind of back to back testing a few with booster. So we had the different levels of booster. And we can make the different stretchiness ones, different power ones, and right. really match it up to the flex of the boot if we want as well. Like we haven't this year, we've kind of gone the same on the men's and women's top end one. Again, I wanted to kind of keep it level, but we are thinking that say a 130 men's or a 115 women's, we can fine tune that booster strap to be just what is needed for the boot as well. So some cool little, yeah, it's a small part, but something cool that we can tune as well on the boot. Yeah, and then you have a new boot called the Dispatch, right? Dispatch, yeah. So where does that fit in the line? Yeah, so Dispatch. So it it depends who you're asking. What part of the world? <laughs> uh, over here in North America, we would call it a touring boot. It's it's very much along the lines of something like a Technica Zero G. Uh, so it's a super efficient boot, uh, sixty degree range of motion. The lightest one's about four hundred and fifty. Uh, sorry, 1,450 grams. So it's pretty lightweight. It's about 300 right. grams lighter than a kind of mind bender. Uh, but it skis really, really well. This was what we wanted to build. We we kind of are known now as building a boot that skis pretty well. Uh, so we wanted to make this touring boot that is super, super efficient. We didn't want to take anything away. We, we could have made it lighter, obviously, but... Right. To, we wanted to make it skis. We have the Dispatch Pro, which is a legitimate 130, whatever a 130 is. But it skis like basically like a Mindbender 130, but it's way lighter and it walks way better. Uh, so it's really cool. Uh, so we got Dispatch Pro for men. Uh, year one, it's men only for that model. Then we go down to Dispatch LT, which is kind of the lightest weight offering. But, but compared to a lot of the lightweight boots, this boot is designed to still ski well so you look at the liner that's going to be the big difference like a lot of these kind of touring free touring boots they have a shitty liner in there because it helps them save weight um and it yeah we didn't want to do that so we put in a decent liner people are going to like this liner and then we have the dispatch as well uh, which is the base model but the base model, what I wanted to do with there is we we know uh, people going into the backcountry, they're not new skiers, they're just new to the backcountry. So they can probably ski really well. They've skied the resort all their life. So we wanted to build a boot that still skied well, but it feels a little bit like an alpine boot. So we used a TPU cuff on that one rather than P-backs that we use on everything else. Uh, so it feels a little bit like an alpine boot, so it's not such a big step away from what they used to. But it still okay. walks really well, skis really well. So, well, I'm actually probably most stoked on that one. Uh, funnily, the base model is almost me the most too. Exciting. Yeah, I'm I'm excited about that boot in general. I think, and also, so what is the boa? There's a I saw the picture. What is the boa dial for? I'm assuming that it's some kind of like heel lock or something yeah. like that. Basically, it's a lacing system on the liner. Um, so it goes down the shin a couple of times across, and then just into the instep as well. And it's it feels great because obviously laces on a liner. are Awesome. It's going to help lock in your heel, especially when you're touring. You've got the shell a bit loose, so you will be more movement inside. But with the lacing system, you're going to do it up. And as soon as you crank that shell down, what you've got is what you've got. You can't really tighten it up. The boa, though, 
you can just crank that dial and it's a two-way right. dial so you do it up initially tore up whatever you do your shell up you can then crank the bower dial down and get an even more locked in feel so it's just improving upon that downhill performance you get from that boot and we are going to be moving liners like that into the the regular lineup as well so yeah yeah i think models. you're going to start seeing a few brands do that um down the line and i think it's really smart because the other thing too is i, I was just going to ask you this do you find most people use the laces that come in their touring boot or in their regular boot? Like I, I see, I, don't, I saw a million boots. <laughs> I don't know. And that's not a brag. It's, it's actually, if anything, it makes me very sad. <laughs> like I'd rather have <laughs> boots, but um, I, I see almost nobody lacing them up and stepping in anymore. Right. Because it makes it a little more difficult to step into the boot, but a BOA system would allow you theoretically to just step right in the way you would a normal ski boot without too much resistance yeah it's it's it still is a little bit harder obviously if you've got a yeah, non-lace right. at all you can completely pull that aside but completely like you said yeah the bow is just it's easier to use as well because that's it does put some people off that you know a lace-up system you've got gloves on at the top you so you're taking them off the laces freeze it's just not right. a, a user-friendly system whereas the bow system is like it's always super easy to use and it it feels you can get the same feeling with a lace system, but you don't have that infinite adjustment that you do BOA. So BOA to me is always going to be a preferable product overall. Yeah. It's a little heavier though. Um, so that's obviously why full-on lightweight touring boots, you're probably not going to see it on those because they're trying to save every little gram. But like I said, we weren't trying to save every single gram. We were making the best product we could and we felt it was worth it. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I, So I guess one of the other things I wanted to kind of touch on is uh, why are why is a touring boot and obviously i know the answer to this but this is for people who are just kind of i don't know i feel like we've been very inside baseball so far in this conversation <laughs> why is a touring boot less performance oriented than a regular alpine boot it's a very it's a simple question but i feel like a lot of people maybe haven't heard the answer to mm -hmm. it i'm interested to hear what you think as well because it's, it's debatable why but like yeah. i would say from us like the nature of making a more lightweight boot is you're going to have to take material from somewhere, which for us is going to mean for for one we use P-backs and using P-backs alone isn't necessarily a bad thing. It can still ski really well. We do use P-backs on our high end cuffs because it we feel it's got a better rebound material uh, like properties, but to make the lightest weight shell, we did have to make obviously fin walls. Uh, fin walls, we. We were aiming originally, we were looking at using a TPU version, but to be able to make it in TPU, it's so brittle, the shell. So it's tricky to make high-performance boots with uh, fin wall shells. So to get that same performance out, especially if you use something like TPU, you just can't really do it very well in, the, in a touring boot. So right. they ski well, but you can't get the same performance, I feel, that you can in an all-mountain boot because of, because you're trying to make the boot lighter, you're taking away some of your capability to have it ski yeah. well. Um, I think it's this, also very. Go ahead. Uh, uh, no, it's. I, I feel a little strongly on this. Is that I think ski boots have gone too far the wrong way in going lightweight. Um, there was a the big thing. Yeah, I mean, it was great, and K2 was a big, big start of this actually. Like Atomic as well. What Matt did with like the Hawks Ultra and we did with the Recon, it was great. It got the weight out of the boot. But that first generation of boot, I would say they ski well, 
but they don't ski as well as a heavier boot. So it was good that it made manufacturers think about, all right, we can take some weight out of it. But like right now, when we're making a boot that isn't for touring, we're not necessarily thinking about how to make it as light as possible. We're thinking about how to make it ski as well as possible. And then the weight is kind of an offset from that. So I think a lot of brands went too far. Um, and I think you'll start to see a bit of weight coming back into boots myself. Yeah, I guess on that, on that top, so a couple things there. One, I feel like boots are so personal that weight and depending on the way the person skis matters more or less, right? Like yeah. I'm a heavy person in theory, like me skiing a lightweight boot, like the Transalp on groomers would be idiotic, but that's, I actually really enjoy it because I feel like I can get a more consistent flex pattern through mm -hmm. that boot because it's lightweight and because I'm almost overpowering it, but that's just the way that I like to ski the boot. Mm -hmm. But in to your point, it's not a 130. It's definitely more like a 115, but maybe that's like my ego thinks I'm a 130 and my ability <laughs> thinks I'm a 115. So in some ways I really like that. And I also mm -hmm. like that it's light. I like the range of motion and I like, I think so many people have looked for kind of one boot, right? Yeah. And that's, that's been the search for, for so many different types of people. And the other thing is like lightweight boots sell boots, like they sell units on ski boot on ski shop floors, right? Because the customer puts it on and they go, oh, this one's half the weight of this other boot, right? So whether it's ski shittier or not, and and obviously in this case, I think recon skis really well, mm -hmm. and not just because you're sitting on the other side of the screen. <laughs> I think it skis really well. Like it's it, I think it's a I think it's a good product. Yeah. The without a doubt it's a way easier boot to sell for me because it weighs less and it just seems to the person in their head that like i'm walking around a lot especially in day and age where everybody's like walking farther away from their cars there's minimal lodge access like Dude. there is this is the best time ever to have a lightweight boot yeah i, I totally agree and that's a huge part is that people forget in a way that a lot of people's everybody goes to a boot fitter still hopefully and that trying it on initially i did it myself you put a lightweight boot on and they go oh my god it's so light and you put something that's maybe only two inch grabs heavy on the other foot but they're already sold on how light that is they don't know how it's going to ski in a shop environment they just know how it feels so i'm definitely not condoning i'm not saying in case we're going to make like 400 gram heavier boots <laughs> we're still right. going to keep it light but uh, i think the whole race to go as lightweight as possible in a in our all mountain boot hopefully is kind of coming to a close i think we've got to a stage now where boots are a decent weight but now we're all realizing that performance is key as well in the boot so for sure and i think you saw fisher do that a couple years ago with the ranger line it's like it, it was 1550 grams or 1600 grams or something like that the next year that they changed it, it was 1,750 yeah. grams, right? So there's clearly a reason for these kind of things to happen. And I think next year it even gets a tiny bit heavier again. Mm -hmm. It's it, it, There is validity to what you're saying for sure. It's just that, you know, it's the area gets kind of muddy when you talk about an all-mountain boot versus a touring boot versus a real touring boot versus a, <laughs> a comfort boot. And so, like, <laughs> the consumer just has to be I, – I, really pity a consumer in 2021 because there's so much information that they asked for by the way over yep. the course of time that it makes it too confusing one of the rules that we have like at the shop is like we're gonna try three boots on you and then if we can't find a boot that fits you well within three boots then we're gonna go and we're gonna kind of like start all over again because after three boots it just gets confusing oh 
for sure. Like you see that like beginner boot fitters, they'll bring out every boot in the shop, and the customers just looking at them. They have no idea what's going on at that point. They can't remember the first boot they tried. They're in the seventh boot. They all feel not great. So then that customer's walking out with no boots for sure. So right, totally feel you on that one. But like, it, it's good and bad. Like all the options out there does mean everybody in theory can have the perfect boot for them. It's, right. It just gets a lot harder to narrow down the search. And that's where like guys like yourself, shop guys are key in this. And we have to be good at making sure we're explaining why we're making the boot and who the boot's for. We're not just making every single boot in the world and going, hey, you guys go and sell them. We're making boots for a reason is what I kind of look at it as. Right. So. And uh, yeah, we're, we'll get to the full tilt or the flex aspect of this conversation in a little bit. But I want to talk really quickly about I th what I think is the most important boot that you guys sell in the BFC. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> talk, talk to me about what makes that boot so important at the retail level and what makes that boot what it is. It's the easiest boot in the entire world to sell in case people are unfamiliar with this thing. It is cushy. Mm -hmm. It got a huge facelift for this year. Yep. Um, it's like it's a real ski boot now, and I think it's improved significantly. I like to hear you say that because that's how I kind of lead with this. In, if, so, yeah, BFC, if people don't know what that means, it does stand for Built for Comfort. Um, there's a lot of other names out there for it as well, but <laughs> <laughs> Built for Comfort is what it does stand for. It's And that is it. Like, you, ski boots aren't comfortable a lot of the time, and... It's one of those boots that, especially in certain cases, like you will try on a few different boots and just nothing's working. The BFC is going to be the one that they're going to step into it. For one, they're going to be able to step into it with no effort. It's proper hands-free entry, but it just fits. It's comfortable. It's a big volume boot. So it's not for that person looking who's got a little tiny skinny foot and wants the ultimate tight race fit. This is for your everyday skier who wants to, you know, they're a weekend warrior. They want to be comfortable on the mountain and a boot that's easy to get on and off skis really well and that's a key thing as well like again we were testing this last year we we tried the original bfc and then we tried the new one we kind of did left and right footing and the new one skis really well so it's gone from being just a big volume boot so i call it a fit alternative now because if you've got a wide foot i've got a wide foot myself but I do, I like to try and think I ski quite well. So if you need a high volume boot, the new BSC is that. It is an alternative to recon for somebody who needs a bigger volume, basically. Yeah. It skis really well, the new one. And yeah, it's our biggest selling range of boots. Um, we have other boots that single unit volumes do more, but as a range, right. the BSC do a right. lot more. Like, yeah, it's a lot uh, of those now. It's yeah, it's pretty incredible. It's like 80, 80 flex all the way up to one hundred and twenty flex or something like that. It's funny. So, uh, I was when I was at that Fisher thing a couple of weeks ago. I was talking in the with one of the other shops there. I think it was somebody from Ski Essentials mm -hmm. talking to them about boots that they felt like sold really easily. And I was like, BFC, BFC is the boot that like you kind of go to when you have someone that's like, I'm a casual skier. I, I don't care what what boot or what brand I'm in. Yeah. And they were like the HF 75 for women or the HF 110 from Nordica. So my question is, does K2 have any thoughts of doing a rear entry boot? Yes, no, maybe. And I'm sure you can't tell me everything if this is work, but like I, do <laughs> I can tell you that we're not doing that. <laughs> okay. All right. That's, why not? So big part is because we got flex now and we okay. would argue that I know we were going to leave full tilt, but, if people don't know full tilt, 
part of sorry i'm flex now a reason why they were so good is because the tongue flips forward you can step into that boot just as easily as you can a rear entry but what i always say is that rear entry boots ski like rear entry boots and the reason there's a reason they kind of vanished for a long time yeah. three-piece boots have been around the same amount of time but they didn't vanish and that's because they still ski well so you get all the advantages in a three-piece boot to get in and out of it that you do a rear entry but none of the disadvantages of how they ski Mm. Not to take anything away from the Nordica, but we feel that the, the three-piece full-tilt flex boot is a better overall offering with the same benefits. It's definitely better skiing, without a doubt. I mean, it's to me, it's not even close. Like, you look at someone standing in an HF, and it's like they're standing straight up and fucking down. <laughs> like, they're not. there's no bend at the knee. There's no... That's one of the things you want in a ski boot is, like, to promote people being a little more forward exactly. in the front. And you just don't have it in that boot. And it's actually really comical because sometimes you'll put it on someone's foot and be like, here's this option. It's really easy. It, you know, it's easy access because that'll be one of their complaints, right? It's like my yeah. boots have old langs. They're hard to get into, whatever, whatever, right? So a sales guy will go and they'll pull that HF and they'll pull another boot. And immediately they'll put the HF on and either go, I love this. This is my favorite thing in the entire universe. I will never ski another boot again. <laughs> Or this is a total piece of shit. Get it away from me. <laughs> so it's, and I have never found someone that's in between that is like, this is a pretty good no. boot. Let me consider it as an option. Mm -hmm. Either love it, or hate. Yeah. And what I tell you they did do right, though, is that I think it was a 110 Flex, that elite model they did, right? So it's yeah, not particularly stiff, but it's got like that heated liner in there. I think it costs like $7.99 US. So it's quite more, I think, now. More. So like, what I do think they did well is identifying the customer there who perhaps is a little bit older. They've got a bit of disposable income. They built a boot for them. They didn't go, all right, here's a 499 boot. They're giving a shop an $800 boot to sell to right. that guy who's willing to spend the money. But like, if they look at other boots, all other boots at that level are going to be a 130 flex. They can't ski that. So right. they did do that well. And like, no, it's, it, you're right. It's like if you want a comfort option, but you are you want something kind of Gucci and kind of fancy, God. that's that is the I can't think of very many options like that. If you wanted to spend 900 bucks or 800 bucks on a boot, but are a casual skier that'll work for you. And that is that is definitely one of them. I mean, it's pretty it's pretty trick to put one on. It's a great walk yeah. around the parking lot boot for me. <laughs> um, <laughs> but Anyway, we won't pick on them too much. No, no, um, no actually, they're, they're, they're great, and they make wonderful boots. That's the thing. That's why it's funny to me is they make a lot of really excellent boots. Mm -hmm. it, it's just that that one is really – and again, I shouldn't even say it's not an excellent boot because for some people, it is the fix. I've sold boots to mm -hmm. women that like could not get a boot on. like It just did not fit their calf, and that was the perfect fit for them. So yeah. like, there's, there's a boot for everybody now, to your point earlier. And there's everybody – there's somebody for every boot as well. That yeah, the boots wouldn't exist. Like they're expensive to make. Like, and we've already talked about the MOQ issues, like being able to sell the thing. So if the boot didn't sell, it wouldn't be on the shop floor. So there's always somebody for a boot. And yeah, it's you know, excuse me to one of those weird things that you don't get to pick your boot as such. It's what fits is gonna be what works for you. So yeah, it's, it's a weird thing. Like I'm a mountain biker as well, and I always look at this and like you can ride any bike you want can't quite do that with ski boots yet it's a little bit more it is more tailored to the person but that's something i'm working on right now is how you can make it so that anyone can ski anything basically or anything k2 anyway <laughs> yeah for sure i, I think 
one of the reasons that it's tough is because if you look at the marketing, the marketing is always geared towards boots that are, you know, narrower, high performance, aggressive, right? So those people that are in wider boots and more comfort oriented boots and are casual skiers almost have it in their head a lot of times when they see the marketing material put out by companies that this is the kind of product that they need to be in and that a comfort option or a, you know, a slightly lower performance option isn't what they need to be in. I can't tell you how many 130 flex boots that I've sold to people that do not need 130 flex boots, you know, and they need a one. And again, it's that ego thing is they, they think because Tom Wallach is in this boot because whoever's in this boot, I need to be in this boot. Yeah. And it's just not that way with ski boots. They're so personal. And I hope people take nothing else. If people take nothing else away from this conversation, it's that ski boots are very, very personal and definitely you need to talk to somebody about it. Yeah. And yeah. And don't overbuy. <laughs> That's the sure. thing as well. There's no reason to anymore. So many boots, you can buy a 499 boot and you or I could ski that boot totally. without an issue right now. Yeah, exactly. No. Um, so let's talk about what people want to hear. Probably <laughs> I'm sure this has been okay for people so far, but people want to know what's going on with full tilt or mm -hmm. as it's now named flex. Yep. Um, I was very surprised when I saw the full line sheet. Um, I was expecting way less models. Okay. Uh, I'm sure every K2 rep in the country wants to be your best friend and K2's <laughs> best friend because they now have 20 new SKUs to sell. Um, <laughs> so talk to me about what what actually changed, what the reasoning was behind the switch. Give me as much information on that side of things as you can. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it's, it's huge, obviously. It's a big, big change, but it's also the smallest change ever at the same time, which is kind right. of funny because... <laughs> Like it's it's a weird one. Like yes, so basically, for people who don't know or have managed to stay away from this, we are wrapping up what was the full tilt line into the K two line. But we didn't just want to bring across the models. So you're not going to see a full uh, a K two flex first year. <laughs> We've renamed it a little bit. There's there's a lot of it that was going right. Um, like we had the boots themselves are great. We had great liners. The whole line was doing really well, but there were potentially a few ways in which full tilt was complicated. Like you have the Dropkick Pro, the Classic Pro, basically the same boots, yeah. but there were two different things marketed for different people. So we wanted to consolidate a little bit, make it a little bit simpler, but also expand where we needed to as well is coming back to the women's conversation. When I kind of took over this and you look at the full tilt line, it always blew my mind how few boots we had on the women's side. Now you could argue yeah. that it's kind of, yeah, the unisex boots, but, and I get this with skis because this, there's a lot of conversations going on right now is that should there be a men's ski and a women's ski? Because in skis, a lot of the time, it's just a size difference. Right. And I think you can argue there perhaps there's reasons for having unisex. There's also reasons for men's and women's. Ski boots are different in that we do make the boots differently. We do get the car, the cuff a little bit lower. We flare it out a little bit more. So I think in boots, there's a reason that we make women's boots. Um, so calling our freestyle boots unisex was kind of doing a bit of a disservice to women in that we weren't making a women's boot. So that was something I wanted to do. And we were going to be doing this anyway as full tilt, but we really wanted to expand the women's lineup. Uh, so you'll see that as we move into K2 Flex, that the, the lineup itself is a lot more kind of thorough. There's a men's version, there's a women's version. So I was pretty stoked with that. But there's also benefits to it as well. Obviously, a three-piece boot, a two-piece boot, ski differently. Um, 
there's people who like one or the other. But there's a lot of people out there who would benefit from skiing a three-piece boot who would have absolutely never looked at a full-tilt boot. For Maybe sure. they weren't in a shop who even sold them. They look at the marketing go, well, they're all like, they look at Henry Carlo skiing it. Right. And for a, a slightly older lady who's cruising the mountain, seeing what <laughs> Henry's doing is like the opposite of what she would be doing. So bringing it into K2 is going to have hopefully a number of benefits is that for one, they'll be in more shops because uh, it's K2, as dumb as that sounds. it's If they already stock it, hopefully they'll bring some of those in. Boot fitters may also be a little bit more open to bringing out a K2 boot because the customer is not going to be put off necessarily by the branding. Uh, but for the people like all, all of new schoolers, we aren't changing the boots basically at this point. The boots are going to be the same. There's new naming. It's obviously a K2 logo, not a full tilt logo. But if you wanted a Dropkick Pro, then the Revolver Pro is the same thing. I've changed up flexing a little bit. Um, we've gone a little bit stiffer on certain models, either like the Wallish. Somebody asked me the other day why that had gone to 100. And honestly, Tom Ski's 100. So, I'm, so Tom Ski's 100. We're also doing a Taylor Lundquist Pro model boot, which I'm super Sick. stoked on. Um, but she skis 100 as well. So I was like, man, if, if Taylor's boot's 100 and Tom's boot's 90, that's seems kind of weird so <laughs> yeah. we aligned them uh because the other thing is taylor wanted well we talked about what she wanted and it turns out she wanted the same boot as tom wanted there was no reason to make it any pink it or shrink it in any way the only thing we did do is give it slightly shorter cables because we were finding women quite often were complaining they max out the cables so we've shortened down the cables but everything else is the same as the wallish boot it's got the shorter cuff on it so yeah. it's legitimately like okay you wanted a wallish but you're a female. Now we've built you the perfect boot, and Taylor's boot looks so good. It does, I'm yeah. So stoked on that, and I'm stoked for her. She's such a nice person. I'm stoked we can do something like. Oh, this and if there her. was someone to like to pioneer a new part of the boot line, with, like that's the person to fucking do it with. And if she says like a hundred flex is good with her, mm -hmm. nobody's gonna argue with her. I mean that she's <laughs> like that's exactly. that's the perfect person to have on this program i think and that's one of my biggest that was one of my biggest concerns was what the end one of the biggest questions being asked was what was the athlete team going to do mm -hmm. now switching over to k2 and are there conflicts and you know does does it change and and maybe there are down the line but right now it seems like things are kind of sailing pretty smooth yeah maybe i mean boot there's still a b b and e like so yeah every pro model there was is still there and we've actually said added the tailor now i i'm not in the marketing department but like from what everything they've said is we wanted to kind of be the, we didn't want to say no to anybody so we offered everybody up the same contracts and like they can come and ski k2 um we have no issue with that like if Henrik Carlo wants to ski a k2 boot we're stoked on that um yeah. if armada have a problem then that's armada basically but right. yeah at this point everybody has come on board and yeah it's it's awesome so hmm. that's really cool what is there what was the main reason for eliminating that full tilt model name i guess because that's one of the things that people have asked me about repeatedly it's like why kill the and in the shop and also like through the podcast it's been like why would they get rid of that name? That name is now has kind of become iconic, but now it's the third name change for this exactly. boot for this boot style. So what mm -hmm. what's the thought process? Is there going to be like a full tilt down the line? Like I I don't know. I guess it, there's nostalgia that is 
still sitting with a lot of people, including myself, mm -hmm. that have sold full tilt. Like for my entire ski boot selling career, I've sold a full tilt product. Yep. Right. So like it's been 10, 12 years, something like that. Every year I've sold a full tilt product that I've been around mm -hmm. in, in a shop. So what I don't know. I, I What's the reasoning? Can you talk to that part about it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, half of the problem was honestly how good a job Josh and before him, Levin followed done with these. Right. Like you say. If you ski park, chances are you look on new schoolers. It's like somebody asked for boot advice, just get full tilts. It became synonymous okay. that if you're a park skier, you're gonna ski full tilt. And almost that that success was almost a slight problem in a way because it completely pigeonholed it. Serious skiers would look at that and go, Well, I'm not skiing a full tilt for park riders, and that's it. So right. Unfortunately, its success basically had been kind of its limiting factor. We got to a point where the the user base in park is only so big. We all know this. It's not. It's maybe growing For a sure. tiny bit, but it's not really. It's it's a finite amount. Whereas the skiers outside of park is huge. Um, so by bringing it into K two, we're hoping that because we're keeping the product the same, we still offer that same boot for the park rider but we now have products that hopefully will appeal to a slightly bigger audience, which if we can build it as a brand, that's good for not only us, but it's good for the full tilt users as well, because if we can build what is full tilt flex, then it means we can do more with it as well and um, new boots coming and stuff like that. So if we can build it, then it's good for everybody, basically. Yeah, and I feel like it, I, I think that's a really good point. Have you nothing's changing from the product line other than just a couple of flex things, right? Like, I mean, it's basically going to be the same thing. And that's one of the things that surprised me the most was that when I opened up the catalog, I'm like, this is fucking full tilt. This is yeah. not nothing's any different. And you kind of hinted to me initially when I like floated that something was changing with full tilt on Twitter. You were like, oh, I think you're going to like what we're doing. <laughs> it's like, yes, because we're keeping it exactly the fucking same. Yeah. It's, it, we didn't do this because it wasn't working. This right. is what we, is key to remember is what the boots were working. We just see more potential in, unfortunately, removing the full tilt name and putting a K2 on there. We think we can grow the business even bigger. Uh, but, and I said this all the way through is like, I don't want to fuck up what we're doing. The boots are working really well. So yeah. this was key for me from day one is that the models, I knew which models we were having. Like you can't get rid of a dropkick. You can't get rid of a dropkick pro. You can kind of condense certain models. So whereas there were three first chairs for initial year, there's only one revolver team, which is that boot. But like the, the model line was kind of set. What was working was working, so I brought that into K2. I expanded it in certain ways. So we had, obviously, men's ascendants, the free ride boot. we now got women's ones, so we expanded in certain areas. But, yeah, everything that was working was working, so we're keeping it going, basically. Yeah. Does that boot do well for you guys? The ascendant? Yeah. Yeah. The Sammy Carlson went from, obviously, a new boot a few years ago to already the second best-selling. No kidding. That's so Killing weird. It. It's, yeah. it's not our best seller, but like we're, so we have a store up like at basically at Mount Snow at Corinthia. And then we have one mm -hmm. in the city shop and the city shop does pretty well with it. But the mountain shop obviously is like all dropkick, all classic, all uh, descendant is actually the one that has fallen off into. Uh, yeah. 
and we definitely saw that. Kicker is yeah unbelievable. That's still number one. <clears throat> but yeah, Sammy Carlson came straight in at number two, and big part of that was people wanted. We are seeing it across the board. Like you look at Mindbenders now; they outsell recons because it's got a walk mode on it. People have in the last few years bindings have caught up. Like before, when you had to ski a, like a Guardian, which was super heavy, or a the old Duke, or you had right. to ski a tech binding, which you couldn't ski on. Shift, the new Duke PT, even Kingpins have evolved to a stage where now people can think about touring in a different way. So these free ride boots have really taken off. And obviously, I'm sure everybody sees it. Like there's a big demand for us to make a 99 millimeter version of Ascendant, like a narrow album. Right. Which, you know, might happen as well. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, the, the Ascendant did really, really well. So that's why I'm hopeful, again, going to the women's version is just going to build even more upon that, which would be great, hopefully. If you had to pick one thing next year that you're most excited about <coughs> for the product line, is it the change to Flex? Is it Dispatch? Is it, I mean, you tell me, like what, and it can be a small change, like, because for me, one of the biggest things that I'm excited that I was excited about this year had nothing to do with what I ski, right? And that was like that BFC looks like a legitimate boot, and that was very mm -hmm. exciting to me. And it mattered to nobody else. On the everybody else was like, "You're a fucking loser!" Like nobody yeah, right. like. But totally. to me, it made a really big difference because I feel like I'm selling a, a boot that's really capable to people now, totally. and not only comfortable. So, for you, what's changing next year that has you personally very excited? So it's one thing. Yeah, so all right, I'll answer this in two ways then. For me personally, not from a business point of view, if this was just me still working in the shop, I'm super stoked on this weekend and I'm from team. I'm really stoked that we're able to get it through. It wasn't easy to get this through. Like when yeah. I first pitched this boot with tech inserts in the toes, there were definitely some sales managers who didn't get it at all right. and were pushing back at me. So the fact I kind of stuck to my guns a little bit on this one and pushed it through, I, I'm super stoked with. But dispatch is going to be huge because the boots turned out really, really well. Um, initial forecasts are looking great. We're taking some nice market share there. But if I had to really say what I'm kind of most stoked on, I think it's what is now the method women's boots. So what was the plush? Because that boot, is so good for so many different skiers. It's like a BFC, but it's a three-piece version of a BFC, basically. Mm. Like, I can honestly see that that method women's and the method as well, the men's version, doing huge. If we can get it as kind of that comfort boot, yeah, it can take off. It can be awesome. And the nice thing with those boots is because you can just change the tongue out to whatever flex you want. You can have if you want a one thirty comfort three-piece boot, you can have it. Or you can have that same boot be an 80 flex. So I think there's huge potential for those personally. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I never think about that. And that's one of the, uh, to me, that's the unsung hero of that line too. Because it is a really good boot. And we don't buy enough of them. And I'm sure many shops don't buy enough of them. Because it's like, okay, do we need another 102 or whatever boot on the wall? But realistically, it fits different. It's easy to get into. And it's cool. Right. So that's like the other thing is like it, we don't have to sell people sport machines and BFCs and whatever. We can sell them a boot that looks legit exactly. and cool, but that's comfortable and soft and easy to ski on. So I think that's actually a really good point. I didn't even think about that. Um, <laughs> is go. there going to be a kids boot? Kids boot. Yeah. Is uh, well, we've got the Evolver, 
which is like the a mini version of what was the drop kick basically. Um, so that goes down 22.5 up to 26.5. And then in K2 overlap, we have the Mindbender Junior, which is a full tech insert model as well. And then we have the Reverb, which is the BSC one. What we are looking at, what we can do is how we can make a really rad little kid's boot. Um, but it's so hard because there's no money in them. So to invest both yeah. kind of engineering time and development money is hard for on a boot that you just make no money on. But yeah. it's something we we are looking at how we can find a solution there. Yeah. Well, I think uh, I'll, I'm not going to talk too much shit, but I think Fisher's got you beat next year. That boot, I don't know if you've seen it yet. It's fucking good, dude. I, so I saw something you put on Instagram, actually. So I instantly tried to find it. So <laughs> I'll hit you up afterwards about this one because I did try and find that. But yeah, for sure. It's good. I'll, uh, yeah, maybe I'll, I'll show you or something. I'll show you. Uh, it's, it's rad, dude. It's, uh, cool. I'm, I'm psyched on it. We were all losing. Our, it's only like to like a 20 and a half or something like that. But I mean, if somebody's making a rad kid's boot, that's awesome. Because yeah, it's really cool. It's, it's so like Kristoff's like first actual boot that he had, like his hands-on fully A to Z. So he's like, "This is my thing," and I'm like, "This is amazing." So I'm that's like, cool. I'm, like, ah, I'm psyched for him fully about that. Yeah, that's rad. Nice. <laughs> um, awesome. Uh, well, Tom, thank you for the time. This has been great. Awesome. Um, where can people find you on social? And you're still very active on New Schoolers. So where can people <laughs> find you on New Schoolers as well? Yeah, so New Schoolers, it's just my name. I know it's pretty hard to spell, but Tom Petrosky. Uh, but yeah, you'll anything that's to do with boots, I'll generally be like chiming in on that one, good or bad. Uh, but yeah, you'll find me there. Uh, Instagram, basically, I because I've got such a weird name, I just it's my name on everything. So yeah, perfect yeah, on Instagram. Find me there as well. And uh, if you ski crystal or especially Alpentel, and somebody's weird, wearing weird boots, it's probably me. So come and say hello. <laughs> Thanks, Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the show. We have a million cool episodes coming out soon uh, and down the line. Uh, if you have any questions, boot product, feel free to hit up either of these gentlemen that just came on the show. Uh, feel free to hit up me. Uh, if you think I screwed something up, if you think I said something wrong, it's probably not the first time. Um, let me know and we'll, uh, we'll chat about it. And uh, beyond that, Hope everybody has a great rest of your day and uh, we'll chat with you next week with I'm not going to tell you yet because it's a cool episode. Bye.